LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning team, Steve Allen here. Hope you're well after a topsy-turvy week. I'm still struggling to remember what day it is after a fantastic Christmas. We're finally into the new year, the Mayans got it wrong and we've made it into 2013. So I hope you're enjoying the new year and are sticking to your new year resolutions. I'm hoping to make mine last well into February. Coming up in an hour on In Conversation, we'll have the marvellous Alfie Bow and the wonderful Russell Grant. But for now, we have my best bits of the week. A story that caught my eye at the beginning of the week involved a young woman who spent a lot of money trying to look like Barbie. They always get one, don't they? And they try and justify this poor creature here. She spent thousands of pounds, I think something like... What she spent? Well, they just say thousands, to look like Barbie. Now, I've had these people before. So, in other words, she just looks plastic and very small and very naff. You know, Barbie's lovely for little girls to play with. This one here, though, to justify the fact that she spent thousands looking like Barbie, which, of course, she doesn't, um, they actually tell you that she's um, got a law degree. So? What does that prove? Doesn't prove anything to me at all. So she spent all this money, and in all the papers they have a picture of her. I mean, she looks like the prize turkey, I'm afraid. Her name's Charlotte Poole. She's got her favourite Barbie outfit. She's quite clearly not all there in the brain department, so she might have a law degree. Man, they hand them out like sweeties nowadays, don't they? And she says um, that her, her real-life Ken boyfriend, Samuel, uh, thinks that she looks better in the morning, fresh-faced and with bed hair. I don't know whether she means they've dredged the mattress up for it. I've got no idea. But, I mean, I mean, poor old soul. She's got a pose. I mean, just an embarrassment, really, dear. Why have you, why have you made yourself look stupid? It's very, very odd. Very, very strange. Uh, then there was the confused seal, which has ended up in a, in, a, in a lake in the middle of nowhere. I don't know how on earth it got there. It kind of walked or got the bus, can it? Because we only heard a short while ago from somebody tweeting Ollie Mann that apparently all the buses are always full, you can never get a seat on them, and they're never on time. More stupid than I imagined. And, of course, you don't have to be known with an Oyster card. Nobody's got any details of me. I just went and bought a card. I just, I didn't register, nothing at all. I haven't bothered registering the card, they haven't got my name, my address, nothing at all. I just go and top it up when I feel like it at the station. In fact, I did it yesterday at Waterloo. You touch the card to the machine, it says how much you want to put on, I put 20 quid on, so I've now got... £97 on the card, which is great. If ever I lose it, but of course I never lose things. I'm very good at not losing things. People say, oh, you should have it registered. Why? don't want another company to have my name and address. I mean, let's face it, it's bad enough with all the people who go into supermarkets and use a, uh, a debit card and a credit card. They've got all your details immediately. You're logged onto the main computer. By the time you've, you've been to Asda or Tesco or Sainsbury's or any of that, wherever you've used your credit card, they've got your details. They've got everything on there. They know everything about you. They know your name, and they know exactly how much you spend per month. That's why the supermarkets are the way they are. That's how they can afford to put prices up, because they know what you will stand. There's also some teenager, apparently for a dare, for a dare, proving that they don't get any more intelligent, I'm afraid, no matter where they're from. This was down in Cornwall, and he jumped off a ferry on New Year's Eve. I mean, you know, it doesn't come any more stupid than that, does it? Quite clearly, the Coast Guard has said there's no chance of finding this boy's body. There's no chance he would have survived. We had somebody dragged off a beach in Blackpool, I think. And again, you know, somebody out walking a dog at midnight. Hello? What sort of people go walking dogs at midnight? Obviously very strange people to go anywhere near a beach. But anyway, this particular one, Jordan Cobb, was filmed by CCTV jumping into the River Tamar. I mean, yesterday the Coast Guard said there's no chance. No chance. of Because what with the, the undercurrents, he could be anywhere by now. It's believed a friend wanted to dive in, but the other ones, who quite clearly weren't as three sheets to the wind as this one, said, don't. You know, it's dark. 
and you're jumping into water. The river temperature is slightly higher than usual, but there's a very fast current, four knots. Well, there's no ch- I mean, if, even if you're a moderate swimmer, you'd be battling against something like that as it drags you out to sea. I don't understand why people do that. Is it drink? Is it drugs? What is it? I dare you to jump off the ship. I'd like to find the person on the boat out of his group of friends who said, go on, I dare you to jump off a ship. Mind you, I'd quite like to know his mental state. Nobody in their right mind jumps off a ship at any time of the day. There was that pub landlord, though. They found his body, didn't they? You know, the one who absconded with all the money, that thieving tow rag. That's the one who disappeared, and he took the money with and then apparently jumped off the ferry halfway through, presumably working out that, uh, that the police were going to be waiting for him the other end, and they'd be, uh, and they'd be sorting it all out. And then, as if things couldn't get any worse for well-known drunk James Corden, the Channel 4 show that has been absolutely pulled apart. When I did this story yesterday, I didn't know exactly what had gone on. I didn't realise that Jack Whitehall and James Corden had been so filthy on an obscene quiz. In fact, it got so bad that Ofcom have already received countless complaints about this pre-recorded show. The vile sexual jokes from James Corden. Probably very sweet man. Very sweet man. And of course, as ITV will tell you, he's an international superstar. We know he's an international superstar because he pitched up on Gary Barlow's rather lame show. He said, you know, Gary Barlow and his international superstar friends, Mark Owen, James Corden. It was real low-rent stuff. And James Corden is fine until he has a drink. And once he's had a drink, he becomes that, that boorish lout in the corner who is neither funny nor interesting. And frankly, this time, what with, what with Jimmy Carr and his, uh, let's just call them, highly dubious tax affairs, uh, Jonathan Ross and now James Corden and Jack Whitehall, why on earth, as this show was pre-recorded, this stuff was said, I can't even repeat or allude to anything that they talked about. I will just tell you it involved the royal family, Barack Obama and Susan Boyle. Not necessarily in that order. Uh, James, I should imagine Channel 4 will be fined a huge amount of money. I'll be, I mean, you know, to, to make jokes about Susan Boyle, fine, stand in the pub with your little friends who probably think you're very, very funny. Don't do it on a pre-recorded show. The producer should be fired immediately for airing this tribe. In fact, he actually said on it, he said, oh, I have to keep reminding myself, you know, in his sort of drunken fat boy kind of thing, you know, this will all be transmitted. And then repeats the filth. Then repeats the filth about Susan Boyle. You know, she might not be everybody's favourite person. You know, she's got, you know, I'm afraid, uh, sort of issues in the upstairs department. She's not, she's not sort of, you know, the most normal person you're ever likely to meet. But then you don't expect, perhaps Channel 4, perhaps the, perhaps the boundaries of television haven't gone far enough. Perhaps we've decided nowadays that we want more of this filth. Perhaps we want to see more drunks like James Corden and Jack Whitehall, who we're told have drunk a bottle of wine each. You know, to make jokes about the Queen because you know... That, you, that she can't answer back. It's just great. Let's make jokes about you, James, shall we? Should we make jokes about you all the time? Let's do jokes about you. That's really funny, isn't it? And I'll tell you what, we could tell you a few old bedroom secrets about James Corden. It doesn't have to be true. We can just make them up. That'd be funny, wouldn't it, James? I'll tell you what, let's make jokes about your parents. Should we make jokes about your parents, James? Would you like that? No, of course you wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't. Because they, they m- maintain a discreet silence. But that's exactly what you're doing. You're taking the mickey out of, you know, the Queen... And Susan Boyle, you know, who danced with a broom once at an airport. I mean, there's not a lot you can say about it. I mean, quite clearly she's not all there in the upstairs department. But I'll tell you what, James, would it be funny if we made jokes about your, your brother and sister, if you've got any? But your parents would be great ones to, to take the mickey out of, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be great? No, of course it wouldn't, James. Perhaps you might think next time you, sort of, you uncork that cheap bottle of wine and neck it. Perhaps that's, that's why the thing is. In fact, even 
There's a, there's a big feature in the... Apart from all the drunks in Newcastle. My God, they're ugly out there, aren't they? I didn't realise. Even the police inspector who's done this. This is uh, Superintendent James Tozer. He said he's actually wearing a fluorescent jacket and a fleece underneath. He said, don't these people catch cold? No. Well, they're tarts. They don't have any... I mean, you know, you, you don't go out and expect to see somebody in a coat in Newcastle. That's the whole idea. That's why they are... They're, they're the lower end of the scale. You know, when we were in Blackpool, it was freezing cold in the middle of winter, and people are walking around in little tiny skirts. I mean, there was a girl walking across Piccadilly Circus earlier on, and uh, I don't know what sort of girl she was, but she had bleach blonde hair extensions, a very small micro gold skirt on, and was being escorted across the road by three, let's call them low-life blokes, who quite clearly were onto a good thing. And you think, you go out dressed like that, you kind of expect it when people have had a few drinks. But Jackie Clune, writing in the paper today, says, these bullies reek of misogyny. If we don't confront their revolting sneers, they'll get worse. Now, Jackie Clune has been on some of these panel shows. She's been there where people are doing it, and she says here, uh, Corden made a viciously unpleasant sexual remark about Britain's Got Talent, Susan Boyle, and when it grew gasps from the audience, he repeated it. Oh, I tell you, I can't wait to do jokes about your parents. Let's find out some things about your parents, James, this morning, because it's not pleasant, is it? His team partner, the former celebrity Big Brother host Jack Whitehall, weighed in with a puerile one-liner about the supposed cause of Prince Philip's urinary tract infection during Jubilee Week. What embarrassment. Public apology, think, or sack the producer who even put the thing together. What were they thinking? What were they thinking? Perhaps this is funny. I'll tell you what, let's find out who the, who the producer's parents are. Let's take that mickey out of them, shall we? That'd be funny, wouldn't it? I had to check a programme the other night. I did watch a programme on the telly. When was it? Well, we were drawn to it the other day. Somebody wrote in and said, have you seen so-and-so's programme on the television? And I have to be honest, I hadn't. I wasn't even aware that it was on. And, and so I watched it, and I thought the presenter was drunk. I thought the, the presenter was drunk. They were slurring. So, and you think, are they drunk? When was, the, when, when the, when was this done? And so I'm trying to find out from a friend of mine who works for the... Uh, for, for one of the TV companies, and I'm going to find out exactly where, where this one's going, because it's quite, quite an interesting thing. And we all said exactly the same. In the office, we all watched it went, he's drunk. He's drunk. So I'm going to find out. I won't tell you who it is, just in case they've developed a speech impediment and they weren't drunk at all. I like to be sort of very careful and things like that. Luckily for you, my drink of choice is honey and lemon, or if I'm feeling particularly devilish, a strong cup of coffee. We'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll be looking at office romances. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. January is finally upon us, and as the new year starts, so do new relationships. Well, they do for some of us. But would you start a relationship with a colleague? I would never date anybody at work. They're nice, but I like to forget about work when I'm not there. I know lots of people who date at work. It's, it's because you spend a lot of time at work, so you get used to having people around. I mean, you know, I mean, people flirt with me all the time, but I mean, I've, I've, I'm impervious to it, ladies and gentlemen, impervious to it. Uh, Graham says, what's happened to Princess Diana's bodyguard? I've got no idea. Was that, I've, was that Ken Wharf? I can't remember. Um, the RSPCA uh, turned down many people who are willing to give a good home to one of their dogs. Well, there's always a reason. They do the same at Battersea, cat and dog's home. They vet people, because there's no point in taking an animal in if it's been abused by uh, somebody... 
You know, and you do get people who abuse animals. I never quite understand it either, but you do get people who abuse animals. And then they go in there. They want to make sure that when they go out to a home, that's where they're going to be staying, not to be abused in another home. So that's, that's why they have to check very, very carefully. So they do like to vet people. So they do turn them down. I mean, not everybody's suitable for having a dog. If you live in a flat... Not necessarily, a, you know, an ideal situation for a dog. If you're a very elderly person, who was the, there was a lady in the paper the other week, I think, who was turned down for a dog because they said the dog would live longer than her, which, which was rather a bit of a shocking thing to say to somebody. And so that's why, that's why they said they, they they wouldn't let her have a dog, and she was a bit disappointed. So some people who've been turned down by organisations then go and buy a dog somewhere else because you always find somebody to sell you a dog. If you go to Paris, they have them in shop windows. Shop windows, dogs sitting in, not, not cages, but certainly glass boxes. And you just pick one out. I mean, over here, we did away with that a long, long time ago. Long, long time ago, we could go into a pet shop and actually see dogs in there or, or puppies. Now you don't. You go to somewhere, if you want a rescue dog, you go to, you know, Dogs Trust, or you go to the RSPCA or the PDSA, you go to any of these groups of people, you can probably find a, a rescue dog centre in an area where you live, and that would be your first port of call. But do be prepared for the fact that they're going to vet you. They might even want to come around and see where you live. They might want to find out whether or not... If, you know, if you're going to pick up a big dog, they need a lot of exercise. You've got to go out walking, whether it's wet, whether it's sunny, whether it's snowy. It doesn't matter what you've got going on. You've actually got to... You've actually got to get out there and do it. Because when we had a dog, we didn't want to take it out for what You do for a, for a little while. It's the novelty, isn't it? We're taking the dog out for a walk. And then all of a sudden it gets to... Oh, it's raining. I don't think we'll bother. But the dog still wants to go out. So, as usual, it's mum or dad, and generally mum, who has to take the dog out, I'm afraid. Checking on my uh, my stars today, this was... Uh, because you will be checking for the year ahead, won't you, just to find out whether or not it's going to be a good year. I mean, I don't believe any of it. It's a load of old rubbish. It was like watching the other day, I watched this dreadfully sad, pathetic programme called Most Haunted, where they put on a few crackpots, and, and they film it all at night with the lights off. It's hilarious, isn't it? It's so hilarious. Why don't they do it in broad daylight? They go around there, and then somebody goes, Oh! You go, what, what? And then you hear a voice. There was a voice the other day. It was the biggest pile of rubbish I've ever seen. Going, come out and show yourself. I'm thinking, there's nobody there. It's the cameraman standing behind you. And then so he said it again. Come out and show yourself. Are you a lost spirit? I thought, the only one who's been drinking, mate, is you and the camera crew. It's the biggest pile of rubbish you've ever seen. How Yvette Fielding can ever hold her head up high is totally beyond me. It's awful. Awful. Uh, Karina says they still sell them at Harrods. Yes, they do have dogs at Harrods. I know, I've seen them up there. I don't like that. I don't like that. But then they, they used to sell anything, didn't they, at Harrods? You could buy a lion at Harrods quite easily. So, checking my stars, apparently I share a birthday with Daniel Craig. Uh, which is, I mean, it doesn't mean anything as far as I'm concerned. But it does mean that this year is going to kick off with a lively start. A lively start. That'll make a change. It says, with ideas going around your head, you'll be wound up and restless. Switching off and getting a sound night's sleep could prove to be a bit of a problem throughout January. You'll be jaded in February. It's not looking promising, this one, is it? And then it says, open the windows and let the light flood in from late February to March. Health-wise, I love this bit, wear sensible shoes and take extra care of your feet. This advice needs to be heeded for years to come. Recoup, recover and regenerate... Though money is an issue, at least in the first half of the year. So find simple pleasures, such as playing with the children, developing your creative talents, joining a local Amdram group, or booking art classes. Booking art classes. But the only thing that's interesting is the, uh, is the feet bit. But there again, I imagine if you're diabetic, you don't need to worry about things like that. A new family member or pet could prove therapeutic for your health. Oh, goody, we're getting a dog. 
That'll be nice. There's a, a new breed of dog snatcher on the prowl. Pedigree dogs have been stolen by specialist gangs. Uh, near Winchester in Hampshire at 3am, two Cocker Spaniels worth £1,200 uh, were both missing. The previous night, intruders broke into the grounds of a house in Bullington near Andover and forced their way into a kennel containing five dogs. They took those. And uh, what you've got to be careful of, these are people who steal dogs and then try and sell them back to you again. I don't want to go into what sort of people they are. I think you're all well aware of it. These people thieve professionally for a living. And so they've got all these dogs. And then they know that the owners are going to pay a good ransom because dog owners will pay anything, pay a fortune for insurance. And so what they do is they steal dogs to order. And in fact, their only order is the fact that they go out and steal them. And then they, then they let you have them back, provided you give them some money. It's been going on for... I nearly said donkey's years, but decided maybe not not the best choice of uh, of words. Yes, they do sell dogs. It's funny how they sell dogs at Harrods. I don't know. They're, people queue up and look at them. I told you, we went in there a, a while ago, and we were looking at, at the dogs in there. It was like a little queue of people walking past them. I think they only had about three or four in. But we were. I was more interested in the fact that the girl who was walking around with her boyfriend, her hair extensions were so bad, you could see the clips in the back of her hair. Because, obviously, she'd been out in the wind and it had sort of opened up the hair and so you could see all these... Oh, dreadful, it really was. Absolutely dreadful. Daily Mail today, talking about the young Briton shot dead at the beach party in Thailand. A very, very sad story. He got caught up uh, when this Thai beach exploded into violence and uh, bullets were fired. Uh, This is a former city trader. And he was at a, a Zoom bar. It's amazing how many people just go to Thailand to drink. They go to these bars. It's, it's not got the best reputation, I'm afraid. There are certain places where you just don't go to. I mean, here it's a former hippie retreat that inspired the Hollywood movie. And th- this is uh, Koh Phanang, I think. And this is the island off the east coast of Thailand. Once a tranquil hippie secret, because they were all stoned. And over the last three decades, it's uh, now... Uh, the host of the full moon parties, which can take place pretty much anywhere. There's a hedonistic atmosphere. It was done on these, this uh, film, The Beach, which had Leonardo DiCaprio. That's where they filmed that as well. And it's just a lot of people getting very drunk and doing hedonistic things. It's kind of like we were going, Whoa, walking around naked. Uh, lots of young tourists experimenting with drugs. They say many just head there for the cheap beer and dance music parties. And that's when it all exploded. And uh, this bullet has killed this Briton, aged 22, Stephen... Ashton, he'd been looking after his father. He used to work in the city, apparently. He was a a barrister's clerk. He started work but quit his job to look after his father. Uh, Members of the family were too upset to talk about it the other night. I'm not at all surprised. And uh, the family neglect, it's that big story, isn't it? Uh, Families and neighbours are to blame for elderly people having to endure dismal lives in care homes because it's not the best... I know you see the programmes on the television. They always look very jolly and lively places. And we've seen comedy programmes. They've all been set in care homes. And they go, oh, that looks wonderful. They're not like that at all. The truth of the matter is, there's just... We used to have one up near Richmond Green. It's gone now. They Strangely, they've knocked it down and built retirement homes there, which is retirement flats. But I think they have a communal city. But every time I used to pass the other one... And it was an old 60s-type building. All you'd see is elderly people just sitting there in states of sleep. It was it was really quite quite dreadful, not not you know conducive for anything at all. The whole idea you want to keep people's minds active. The more they seem to sit in this home, the more downhill they appear to go. It's terribly dreadful. We're be the only country that do it. We shove old people in homes. It's funny, isn't it? Because when you watch Cocoon and films like that, you think, oh, it's all like that, isn't it? All these elderly people are going out there and they're sort of getting involved. Not in this country. We don't seem to do that. 
People just seem to sit there and vegetate. And it's terrible. And because people get well, we're not going to look after her. Who's going to look after her? We'll put her in a home. Sell a house, put her in a home. And that's what people do. But it's so expensive now. I think, you know, I think it's around, what, £900 a week would be an average. £900 a week for a care home just to sit in a chair and go to sleep. Almost feels, you know, anybody with assets of more than, I think, £23,500 faces unlimited charges. Best thing to do is keep keep your assets fairly quiet, isn't it, I think? Terrible. Lots of images on the television of this seal who's, who's just got completely lost. He's sort of managed to get himself over the flood defences, but because the flood water's coming in, they think he's been brought up by the river, bless his heart. And so he doesn't quite know where he's going to. He hasn't got any friends. He's all by himself. He's just bobbing. But, then get, but I mean, seals, I suppose, bob around anyway, don't they? But he's 50 miles from the coast. So at some point, they're going to have to get him out and airlift him and put him somewhere else. It's going to be a very expensive business. Uh, weather for today, all I'll tell you is wet. At six, we have In Conversation With. And I'm joined this week by Alfie Bowe and one of my favourite interviewees, Russell Grant. Although, that, to be truthful, they're both my favourite interviewees. So stay tuned for this pair. First, the latest news headlines on LBC 97.3. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. You're listening to the best bits of Steve Allen. At six this morning, as always, we're joined by, this week, my special guests, opera star Alfie Bowe, and Russell Grant. But let's carry on with my best bits, and as the Christmas decorations are taken down around the UK, I tell you what's happened to some of those unwanted gifts that you were given. Do you know what they're selling on eBay, lady? Well, I say they're selling, it's probably you selling Christmas presents. The Christmas presents that nobody wants. And in fact, some of them are so interesting, they're still wrapped. So in other words, somebody has still got a wrapped Christmas present that they've decided to put on eBay, and they're selling it. There's one here... Uh, they reckon the average adult has about two Christmas presents that they don't want. I didn't have any Christmas presents. I've never had that. But well, I tell a lie. I tell a lie. There was one Christmas present this year I didn't want. There was one... I won't say what it is, just in case the person who gave it to me is listening. And it wasn't Duncan Barks with the vodka. But it was, it was one Christmas present. I opened it and went, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Not the sort of thing I would ever have. Not the sort of thing. But all the rest of my stuff, people, you know, have been checking with me saying what would you like for christmas so my my godchildren and uh, the parents of my godchildren bought me something that i wanted because i was out there and saw it and we bought it at the time they just sort of kept it and wrapped it up for me so same, same present but at least i knew what it was and so that was quite nice you can't have it till christmas okay fine my brother had a you know he knows i like candles you can always buy it for me Fitted sheets are always... It seems such a silly thing, but a fitted sheet is something I can go out and buy, but I tend not to. I've got so much... So many duvet covers. I mean, frankly, I've got... I could open up a shop with duvet. I went through a phase about five years ago of being obsessed with duvet covers. Everything from, you know, £25 jobs to £500 jobs for duvet covers. I mean, some of them are just stunningly beautiful. But I hate it when they get creased. I don't like creasing. So I've now got... I've had to buy a steamer to take the crease out of things. It just drives me mad. I'm not very good with linen shirts either. So 3,000 rejected gifts from ex-partners, mother-in-laws and other relatives have now been listed on eBay since Christmas. One scorned lover listed seven neatly wrapped presents from her ex-boyfriend in a three-day auction. Came home from spending Christmas with my parents to find these left under the tree from my now ex-boyfriend. He's also left his house key. 
Uh, seven unwanted, unopened Christmas presents. I want nothing to do with him or what he has to say or give me. More than likely the usual jewellery, perfume, makeup. She says, I know for sure one is from Debenhams, as I saw the bag when he'd been shopping. Feels like a clutch bag or a purse. Treat yourself to a surprise, she says. So she's flogging all the presents that she didn't want from the ex-boyfriend at Christmas. I quite... I think that's a bit sad. I think that's a bit sad that people would actually get rid of things like that. I welcome all my presents. If somebody's rip, sort of um, done them nicely, I, I do quite like that. Um, another one here. This is... Um, oh, lots of pictures of animals in the papers today. And also weight loss doubts hitting the sales of diet food, so-called diet foods. I see them on some of the shopping channels. Oh, buy this range of over-expensive milkshakes, goes some thin-as-a-pencil presenter, saying, oh, I don't have weight issues, but occasionally... I'm thinking, oh, shut up, you silly girl's blouse, honestly. Trying to flog you these milkshakes, which are rubbish. They're absolute rubbish. You don't need to spend money on a diet. You can do it for free. Do it for free. Eat more vegetables, get more exercise, cut down on alcohol. I think they're trying to, pardon me, advise people this year to actually take out time in... The week where you don't have alcohol, say have two or three days where you don't have alcohol, they say you will notice the difference, you will feel the benefits. And I don't buy anything that says diet on it. I'm really not remotely interested. You know, if you want a calorie count, do it yourself. You don't need to rely on a, on a shop to do it for you or a supermarket or anybody like that. It's like they used to do diet, well, they probably still do actually, but I've never bought them, diabetic chocolate. And I remember somebody buying me some once, and I remember saying to them, don't ever buy me diabetic chocolate again. They used to sell diabetic food in boots. And to be honest with you, you don't need to have any special food. You can just go out and, and eat sensibly. If you eat sensibly, it's absolutely fine. You don't need to eat diabetic chocolate or diabetic sweets. Different things affect different people, and the diabetic chocolate almost had a laxative effect with it. So that wasn't particularly popular. So I, I just gave up on anything like that. As my diabetic nurse said to me, if you want to eat chocolate, eat a little bit of chocolate. Luckily, I'm not particularly a sweet toothed person. I'm more savoury. Given the choice between bacon frazzles and a box of chocolates, bacon frazzles, cheese footballs and twiglets win hands down. Or pigs in blankets. Uh, the programme with Pauline Quirkin is Shine On Harvey Moon. Shine On Harvey Moon. And luckily... Every single person knew that. So thank you to Kenneth. Thank you to uh, Mark. And it was Shine on Harvey Moon. So everybody, it's amazing how you, you know these things. I knew you would. I knew you would. Um, uh, every time you mention Peter Andre, he loves his kids. I have to stop drinking what I have or else I would choke, says uh, Julia. Well, he does love his children. He also exploits them on the television. And perhaps he doesn't see it as exploiting. Perhaps he sees it as being a, um, you know as being a good parent. I don't know. I don't see it particularly as good, because I think the kids are going to grow up very, very dysfunctional. Let's face it, look at the parents. You know, they're both very dysfunctional people. They're going to have dysfunctional kids. They spend most of their time junior running around with no clothes on, and they don't actually do anything. I, I, I don't think you need to put them in the programme, but it's only because poor old Peter Andre's life is so empty that he has to put the kids on there. We, we've seen the kids crying. It's almost, it's almost it's just torture sometimes. It's terrible. I'm very shocked, Steve, says Robbie. That Olympians like Tom Daly sell out and go and get their own TV shows. I understand that sportsmen and women have endorsements, but I expect more from our brilliant and inspiring Olympic athletes. It makes me feel that they're money-grabbing in the wake of the Olympic fever. Well, absolutely. Well, that's, that, that, most of them have got to do it. Look at Victoria Pendleton. She'd sell everybody down the river. And, and yet she's appeared on a couple of reality shows, and she's so boring. You know, you feel like saying, go, but go back to your Olympic sport. Tom Daly as well. I think we, you'll, you'll see Tom Daly in a different light. 
I think you'll see Tom... Whether it's good or bad, I've got no idea at the moment. I have no idea. I just think that you'll watch him on this programme, which is hosted by Vernon Kay, and thereby it starts in the cheap end of the market. It's a shame, really. I watched a, a quiz the other day with um, Ben Shepherd, who, again, isn't particularly good... He's OK. And it, it was quite a simple premise of a quiz. It's based on a on a, um, a funfair coin machine type thing, which slides them out and they fall off the shelf and go to the next shelf and the next shelf and the next shelf, so on and so forth. And it's OK, but Ben, ben Shepherd is a wee bit bland. He spends a lot of time showing us just how good his dentist is. And apart from that, there's very little going on in the programme. But there again, after he was dropped from GMTV, which I thought was a mistake. I was the first person to say that was a mistake, because what we got... Unfortunately, and, and what's happening now on, on daytime television is nothing short of dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. I mean, it's, they're just, it's just of no interest. Nobody seems to have the right idea of what people want in the morning, apart from radio. Radio's the only place where we seem to have an idea and a handle on what it is. You know, I'm not bothered about how much makeup the presenters have troweled on. I'm not interested in whether there's some cosy little relationship going on and they, they snuggle up to each other. I couldn't just tell us what's going on. You know, I don't want to see celebrity interviews. It's a bit silly. And uh, and they don't last long enough. Bill says, Pauline Quirk, the show was Shine on Harvey Moon. The host is Ty Pennington in Extreme Makeover. A couple of specials in this country. One in Cornwall, where they took a broken-down village cricket pavilion and rebuilt it as both a cricket pavilion and an under-fives nursery and playgroup. Ty Pennington. How old is Ty Pennington? Somebody will let me know. And, of course, the moment I mentioned Jim Davidson, and, of course, the other programme... Uh, was uh, was Home James, in which uh, Jim Davidson played a, a, a chauffeur to George Sewell. Sherry Houston and Harry Taub were in it, Taub. And she says, I'm always amazed when you mention Up the Elephant and Round the Castle, because she was the casting director on the series. I know. I always mention it, Shirley, because I always know you're listening. Uh, the series about the post-war period was uh, Shine on Harvey Moon. Kenneth Cranham and Maggie Steed were the parents. It's turned up sometime on ITV3 or something like that. I think there's a box set. <laughs> there is for just about everything else nowadays, isn't there? Uh, somebody here in Ghana celebrating his grandmother's 105th birthday. Shh, don't tempt fate. Don't tempt fate with something like that. 105. Happy birthday. She's gone. Happy birthday. <laughs> That's what it's like, isn't it? 105. Must be awful being 105, wondering if you're going to make it to 106. Uh, one here very quickly uh, is uh, somebody on holiday in Long Beach, California. That's quite exciting, isn't it? Long Beach, California is quite a nice place. What have they got at Long Beach? Haven't they got the Queen Mary at Long Beach, California? They've definitely got the Queen Mary, the ship up there. It's a hotel now. Don't know, do you? Why do I always get the ones who look as though they've been reading the back of a cornflakes packet? Why can't I have somebody with some... With some have you got any qualifications for anything, you know, a, a, apart from sort of, you know, Blue Peter badge and something from the PDSA that you wanted to raffle once? Anything like that. Uh, 84850, steve at How many people have handed back their Jim will fix it badges? Um, well, they, they were popping up on eBay, I think, a short while ago. People were, were buying them. Uh, duvet covers are a guilty pleasure, though they're Better not be a single crease there. I just cannot do creases. I cannot do creases. Edward says, blast from the past. Up the elephant round the castle. Also starred uh, Marina Sirtis, who went on to play Diana Troy in Star Trek. Also, was the Pauline Quirk programme Shine on Harvey Moon? Yes. The girls from Hot Gossip. Ronna's dances on Jim Davidson, if I remember, says Jonathan in Wapping. I can't remember anything that was on the, uh, on the show at all. I really can't. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you who the dancers were. I used to enjoy a programme years and years ago called Seaside Special. 
And there was another one called High Summer, which had a theme tune that went, High Summer. And it used to have all these dancers from the young generation and the second generation. That's showing my age. And they would dance, and they did the whole show in a circus tent. And it would be down at Worthing or Brighton or something like that. And it was a really good programme. I used to love the young generation. We don't have any shows now on the television where there are lots of dancers used. Whereas in my day, there were lots of, uh, lots of agile people flinging themselves around. Mainly all the men had long hair and moustaches. It did look like a slight dancing version of the village people, which was sort of slightly uh, incongruous. But it was, it was wonderful. I used to love it. Really enthusiastic. All the girls had long hair and could shake their hair around a bit. And I was always very jealous, uh, jealous of anybody who could shake their hair about. Because I myself, when I left school, grew my own hair down to my shoulders. And I know. Seems horrendous now, doesn't it? And I was able to sort of, you know, flick it backwards and forwards, eventually. I used to sit there sometimes, but, you know, the amount of product we used to put on our hair. Now, I just wash and go. Not necessarily with that product, but I do, actually. We don't do anything now. I don't even possess a comb. But then again, who does possess a comb nowadays? If only I had my shoulder-length hair again. Well, let's take a breather now, after which we'll find out about our favourite gun-toting ex-choreactress, who's finally going back to school. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. Earlier in the week, we discussed Helen Flanagan and her lack of grey matter after she was reportedly going to receive a couple of degrees. In the case of poor old Helen deluded Flanagan, the more stupid woman you'd be hard pushed to find who has to go on television to apologise to the great British public and to everybody else in America for posting a picture of herself with a gun pointed at red, a rather stupid non-entity. She's in the papers today because she's apparently going to be getting a psychology degree and a religious degree, and to explain just how serious she is, she's posing with hardly any clothes on. And that's her way, because she's too stupid to realise that uh, she's just being exploited. She's going to go back to school, and uh, she says here... She blames her tearaway teenage years for standing in the way of her intellectual ambition. She doesn't have any intellectual ambition at all. She might have ambition, she certainly doesn't have any intellect. There was none of that apparent in the jungle. She was a rather silly little show-off. In fact, she was exactly the same in Coronation Street. The character almost mirrored her own life. Totally vacuous and uh, not particularly good at all. Uh, I mean, th- I mean, th- there will be questions she'll have to answer. I'm, I'm not actually sure uh, whether or not she'll understand. I mean, especially on psychology, she'd have to answer things like abnormality could be defined as the failure to function adequately, outline and evaluate this definition of abnormality. I don't think she'd understand the question. I don't think she... You know, it, on, on, on religious studies, you know, explain... This would be what, could be one of the questions for her. Explain both the general principles of utilitarianism and the distinctive features of John Stuart Mill's utilitarianism. You know, whether or not she would... I don't think she'd know what that was at all, would she? And on the subject of history, how far were the Israeli victories in the Six-Day War responsible for growing instability in the Middle East in the years 1967 to 79? Your time starts now. She wouldn't even understand the question. There'd be no point. She's too dim. She's too stupid. And it's just... It's another piece of vacuous celebrity twaddle. But it doesn't come with any pictures, apart from the one from FHM magazine, which, you know, appeals to those sort of people. You know, people who want to go out and buy FHM magazine are generally people who go and buy it in a brown paper bag and take it back to their hotel room. You know, the kind of thing? That's the sort of girl who features within the pages. You don't want to talk to them. People just look at them and fantasise. Although in her case, I'm only fantasising maybe pushing her off the deck of an ocean-going liner. That's the kind of thing I'm fantasising about. Uh, Gloria highlights what we said yesterday on the programme about poor old Claire Balding. As 
as you know, she's now hosting a radio show, and she's got another radio show. She's got the Channel 4 Racing. She's got the new quiz this Saturday. I do feel that if she doesn't start turning down work, we're going to be sick to death of her. In fact, I am already beginning to think, says Gloria, I wish she would spend more time at home. Yes, I've said this before about people. The, the problem is that all these things are filmed at different times. And so you think that they're doing everything at the same time. In her case, uh, there is going to be too much, and we are going to be heartily sick of Claire Balding. And that was, that was the danger. I said yesterday on the programme, I hope we don't get to that stage, because she's an intelligent person, but I hope we don't get to that stage where we go, oh, not Claire Balding again. Not like we did with Philip Schofield. Oh, it's Philip Schofield. Oh, it's another programme with Philip Schofield. Oh, it's Dancing on Ice with Philip Schofield. Oh, it's The Cube with Philip Schofield. Oh, it's Celebrity Mr and Mrs with Philip Schofield. Oh, it's This Morning with... Philip Schofield. Oh, it's the ITV Telethon with Philip Schofield. Eventually, you wanted to take Philip Schofield out and shoot him, because you feel like saying to his agent, listen, I'm sure you're making a small fortune, and it's absolutely great, and we're very happy, but enough is enough. Can't you find anybody else? We don't want to see these people all the time. And with Claire Balding, they go, Santa Santa, with Claire Balding. Santa Santa, with Claire Balding. We're going to go, oh, not again, please. Please, not Claire Balding again. We don't want to get to that boredom stage, but they do it. And the celebrities get offered huge amounts of money. I heard the other day of a celebrity who does a quiz on the television. And it's an OK quiz, but they're earning £28,000 a show. £28,000 a show. And they generally record three in a day. Not a particularly big series. Three, three in a day you can probably get through if you, if you push it and you work fairly fast. That, that, that would be feasible. That would be feasible. I did know Bob Holness when he was doing Blockbusters. I think they did five a day. That's a long studio day, a very long studio day. But they all were standalone shows, so it didn't matter which order you showed them in. But then Max Bygraves, when he was doing uh, All-Star Family Fortunes, he was on £60,000 a show. 60000 quid a show. So if he did three in a day, you know, you're looking at nearly £200,000 for the day. I'm quite clearly in the wrong business. I'm quite clearly doing it all wrong. I should have been Max Bygraves. Wait a minute. You're a pink toothbrush. I'm a blue toothbrush. Have we met somewhere? That's not going to work, is it? It's not going to happen at all, I'm afraid. Uh, more on Billy Connolly, who's blasted Channel 4 for showing the filth on their programme with James Corden, who we were politely told had downed a bottle of wine and then forgets that he's doing a television programme, which means maybe professionalism goes out the window. But as somebody else wrote to me earlier on and said, what do you expect? Jimmy Carr, Jonathan Ross, James Corden and Jack White all on TV programme. It's, it's suicide, isn't it? Kim Kardashian at the moment uh, could actually make cash, they've said in the papers, for having a Veruca. It's, it's that, that sad now. So the dollar signs are rolling after announcing her pregnancy last weekend. Uh, she's famous for having no talent. She's looking to trouser, even before the baby is born, 10 million. They went out the other night, and I think they were persuaded to go for a quick appearance in a club in Las Vegas, and they got paid £185,000. Nearly £200,000. Whereas most of the reality stars from the only way is Essex, you can probably get for a cab fare and a curry for them to turn up because they're very low rent. They would be on, I would think, anything up to about three grand for turning up to a nightclub and waving and looking stupid. So, so that, that's how much money they make in America. I mean, Kim Kardashian freely admits she has no talent. And I think if you've seen the programme, you realise she has no talent. At all. But then, you know, we had to put up with all the other programmes, didn't we? We've had to put up with, uh, with the Peter Andre programmes over here. Very sweet. Very sweet, but no, no talent that you can talk of. Uh, wasn't it Linda Robson in Shine on Harvey Moon? I don't know, actually. I don't know. We, so, are we, are you think, not Pauline Quirk, you think Linda Robson? OK. Uh, 84850, 
Uh, Victoria Pendleton should stay on her bike and go for a very long ride. We don't need her anymore and her her crying. My gran and I used to love Shine on Harvey Moon. Elizabeth Elizabeth Spriggs, Nigel Plainer and Linda Robson were in the cast too. So we think they were all in, do we? You know they're doing... um, Somebody say they're doing more of Birds of a Feather or they're doing a stage tour, aren't they? I think they're actually touring at the moment. 150,000 of you every week are hit by this vomiting bug. Sounds dreadful. I've never been... Never been hit by anything like this at all. The Health Protection Agency figures show that the norovirus has now infected 1.1 million people since the summer. Is it, con- is it contagious, this thing, though? How do, you, how do you contract it? Many small businesses are struggling to cope because people are taking time off sick. Richard Gregg of the Federation of Small Businesses said, if you have a staff of just two or three, and if one person is off due to it, you've lost a third of your workforce. 3,000... 877 reported cases up to the 30th of December, which is a 72% increase. Unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. It's calculated for each confirmed case, there are another 288 unreported, taking the tally to over 1.1 million. It's very unpleasant. It's the hand hygiene thing. And that's why, if you've not got any, you should go out to the chemist today and go and get some of that hand wipe stuff. We've got it all over this, but we don't appear to have any in here. Have we got any in here? Quick look around. I don't see any. We've got hand, hand washing. Yeah, we've got it over there. I suppose in here we don't actually touch anything, so it doesn't really make too much difference. Um, there's a, a story in the paper today of keeping fit. How much it costs you per year? <coughs> Excuse me, how much it costs you per year? And they've worked out sporty types. I do not include myself here. Um, Sporty types spend an average of 1,310 on exercise kit and footwear, 260 quid on the gym and £135 on personal training. Uh, Fruit and veg cost 1,289. Fitness DVDs and books, 60 quid and vitamins, 34 people. So average cost per year, £4,000. £4,000 to keep fit. And I look at people like that and I scoff, ladies and gentlemen, I scoff. You know, do they look any different from me? No, they don't. We all look exactly the same. Take your clothes off, we all look the same. Or, well, most of us. Uh, And also, says Bridget, Claire Balding has also got four days at Crufts coming up in March. Oh, crikey. Oh, Claire. Start saying no. Start saying no, because you don't want... You're either planning this properly or you're not. They were all in Shine on Harvey Moon. Thank you. Uh, Pauline Quirk looks weird since her weight loss. Not sure she's all that happy. Yeah, she did have a huge weight loss. Did it then not start going back on again? Did it never get back to to that stage? I don't know. Um, Both Linda and Pauline were in Shine on Harvey Moon. It was uh, their first starring roles together as adults, says Vince, who's in Alderley Edge. Is Alderley Edge in Cheshire? Is that the posh place? He's called Vince, though. He's obviously the village blacksmith or a labourer or something like that or a servant in one of the big houses. <laughs> uh, another one here uh, says, I wonder what Helen Flanagan would write if the question was define Christian morals. Could be an interesting answer, says Kevin. Oh, I don't think she's got any morals. Morals of an alley cat, Kevin. Morals of an alley cat. As I say, her parents must be so thrilled. What, what have you done today, darling? Well, I took my clothes off for a strange bloke in a studio and he took photographs of me. Lovely, dear. Lovely. Your grandparents are thrilled. <laughs> uh, more in the paper today. And Darren Brown. As part of Channel 4's mashup night, when stars swap shows, Darren Brown will try and work through the red boxes to win a quarter of a million for good causes. 
Excited fans took to Twitter, but some viewers seem surprised by the show's choice of celeb. He should do quite well in theory, I mean, if, if, of course, he has any powers. Or is he just a magician? Is he just fooling you? You know, I could show you things now that would probably amaze you. And you would step back in wonderment, ladies and gentlemen. And then you'd call the police. And you'd, uh, and you'd be going, good heavens, does Steve Allen have the gift of second sight? Does he know what is going on in our kitchen this morning? The fact that somebody's now left the toast in and it's now burning. I can see this in my mind. It's unca- Of course it counts. That counts. It's because I've got psychic ability. Psychic ability. I know that there is somebody at the moment who is, who is just padding out of bed into the bathroom and they've got the radio with them. I know that. By the law of averages, there will be somebody doing that. I remember speaking to a lady once. I said, "Gosh," I said, that, that green carpet in the hall's nice. She said, how do you know that? I said, well, it's uncanny. And we did it with a, with, with a guy. It was very clever. We, we did it with a guy at the airport in Las Vegas. I was with a friend of mine. In fact, I was with a couple of friends. And we walked past this guy and girl. And she said, oh, do you know where so-and-so is? And my friend went, oh, yes, we do, Claire. And so she went, do you know me? And he went through a catalogue of things all about her. He said, yeah, he said, you still live in Cheshire, aren't you? She said, how do you know this? And do you know how he knew it? He'd read the label on her luggage. He'd seen it coming off the carousel and he'd memorised it so that later on he could then say to her, you're Claire, aren't you? And you live in, is it house number 14? And, and I mean, she, was, she, was, she thought it was great. She thought it was absolutely great. But he didn't tell her how he knew the fun and games that you can get up to in an airport, I tell you. Well, those are my best bits of the week. I'm back tomorrow at four to see you through another week on LBC 97.3. You can download the podcast on our website. That's lbc.co.uk. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. After the break, I'll be talking to Alfie Bow and Russell Grant for my In Conversation With. But now, it's the latest news at six.